Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mama Said So podcast. This is Jenny. I am here with Sharm and Miriam, and we are your hosts for the podcast. Um, thank you for joining us today. We are really just going to um, we're checking in with each other, um, seeing how we're doing, and really seeing how do we feel about this whole school situation. Um, it, it, you know, it's basically August right now, which means that next month school is starting or supposed to start and everything is still up in the air. So how do we feel about that? That's, that's what our topic is going to be about today. But really quickly, um, how are we doing as this quarantine is still chugging along? Girl, kids <laughs> are about to take me out, okay? No lie, no exaggeration. I'm definitely not sleeping well. Um, just recently started to focus on like my physical health because the quarantine 15 is not for me. So I need to get that back in check. And it's also a form of some of my solo time, even though it's not really enjoyable. So I do need to get some more outlets so that I keep my sanity. Um, But yeah, it is a lot and it doesn't seem like it's getting any easier. Um, But I would say we're somewhat adjusting to the new norm. It's almost like exercising a new muscle, if you will. So I'm more used to being home and not doing my normal flow of going out and everything, but it's just, it's not, I'm not okay yet. So we're going to keep working towards that. But what about you, Miriam? I mean, definitely the saying um, where people are like, you know, taking one day at a time, it's never been more pertinent than now. I don't think I've ever been able to really put that into practice before. But surely right now is really one day at a time because there's so many things that's, you know, in the air. Information changes from day to day as far as, you know, recommendations, uh, what the future holds as far as school, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit later. Even work situations right now, even that's kind of like a fluid situation as far as um, what we're going to be doing. Of course, you know my line of work. I deal with kids on a daily basis, being a pediatrician. So even like protocols on what we do with kids based on certain symptoms. It's just like everything, a lot, is in the air. So one day at a time is, is where it's at. It's supposed to be physical season right now too, right? Kids are supposed to be coming in and get their physicals done right about now. Correct. So there are some parents, they're like, uh, Dr. Spears, they going to school. (laughs) So (laughs) they're coming in with their paperwork and like, yeah, let's do this. So, I mean, it's a busy season for us anyway because of back to school. And even that, like that day today, you know, people don't want to necessarily congregate in a waiting room full of people. Right. So there's there's patients who we want to come in that whether, you know, need vaccines or people that we need to follow up with chronic illnesses and we can't get them in because they're afraid. And they're basically being replaced by these parents who are like, no, I've done enough of this online learning thing. Um, you know, as far as the last half of the, um, the past school year, we can't do it again. I want to get in and out. I want to get my kids registered for school. We're going back to school. So, yeah, that's that. 
Mm -hmm. So I have been stretched out. I have been going in this whole time that has never stopped. And with work recently, there has been unexpected um, changes that has brought on more responsibility on me. And then there are some days just with the nature of what I do that, that's more stressful than others. And it's kind of been nonstop, like since um, since, quarant uh, since quarantine and since COVID. And so while other people may have slowed down in certain areas of the, their life, it, that has not been the case for me. Mm. Um, and I'm just, you know, so I have to leave work and then come home and, and do everything. Um, not just with the kids, but there's other stuff that we're trying to do around the house in and out in and out of the house and everything. And it's just a lot. And um some I was actually listening to um Jesus and Jalof, uh the podcast with um Yvonne Orgy and Lovey. And yeah. um yeah, and so they said something, um, you know, I can only give you from my overflow. And mm -hmm. I was like, Lord. I do not have overflow, but I'm still like required to give everyone everything right now. Right. And it's very taxing. Um, but again, you know, they're just like you guys said, one day at a time, taking me time. I say no a lot now. Um, it might be with an attitude, but whatever. <laughs> it kind of makes me feel um, like, like you're missing the moment. Like everybody's saying, oh, we're in quarantine. These are moments you'll never replace. You get them with your kids and you get to spend extra time with them and you should take advantage of it. And it's just like, no, I don't have that at all. Like I'm still working full time. And so, you know, maybe making lunch on my, for the kids on my lunch break and immediately shutting down the laptop and going downstairs as opposed to having an actual commute. But there literally is no break. Like, <laughs> there's no I'm not spending extra time with them they're not learning more from me because I'm home like I'm working all day and so that's actually a very good transition into the actual topic so they are not learning anything from me and they're learning very little period right. and I am and that makes me extremely anxious you know at the start of this we were like kids are resilient they'll back bounce back from whatever they're missing in school we'll do whatever we can whatever we can in, in regards to their remote learning and everything and I just feel like they are they're missing out a lot and they're they may be regressing and I, and I am trying to look forward in terms of this time next year this time next year I, I should be preparing Ruby to enter into kindergarten, will she be ready for that? Or will she will she be at a huge setback because of COVID-19? And then I'm like, you know, most kids I guess will be in the same boat. But right. that doesn't make me feel better <laughs> at all. Um it it doesn't make me feel better at all. I cannot uh I can't do the remote learning thing. I I try, you know, as much as possible. I I but I'm not here, even if I am here, I cannot dedicate my, and it sounds so bad, but I can't dedicate um, all of my attention specifically to their learning. You know what I mean? Um, and it's just tough. It's, it's really tough. You know, we do worksheets, we do this, that, and a third, um, try to do activities here and there but it's not consistent 
and um right. you know and that's how kids learn right through consistency and like hands-on attention and like first of all I don't really have that much patience. <laughs> I'm getting a little like, uh, we just did this. You see the letters. We just wrote it out. <laughs> I, you know, I get it. But, mm-hmm. you know, in addition to that, outside of the learning piece, like, I feel like they'll catch up on the academic end. I'm more concerned about this social and, and emotional tax right now because it's like, I, the other day, I was going to the store. First of all, I, I go a whole week and don't leave the house. Like that is, 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 I feel extremely trapped. But anyway, I go to the store the other day and before I leave, I'm joking with my husband saying, I'm taking the passport and I'm going to Jamaica for two weeks. Like I'm not coming back. Don't look for me. And ju- my junior busts out in tears. Like he starts hysterically crying because he's like, I'm just going to miss you so much. And da, da, da. I'm just like, I'm just joking. Like, first of all, I wasn't talking to you. But second of all, like, <laughs> like he's even so worried and like high strung now. It's just like, he's very attached to me and he's not verbal with it, but it's like, it's there. And it's, I don't know. I feel like it's a lot worse than what it was before. Cause before he'd be like, all right, you know, bye mommy, see you. But now it's like, where are you going? When you're coming back, can I come? Like all these extra questions. So I don't know. Right. That's definitely a side effect of this whole pandemic. Because one, if you didn't know before, you're learning now both stuff about yourself and your child as far as the temperament and how that temperament reacts to tough times. And two, like it's just really in our face. And it's like, okay, how do we even learn to adjust? Or how do we even help them adjust? And how much do they even understand? Like, is it the feeling? Like, is he picking up on my anxiety? Or does he actually understand that people are getting sick? Because, like, he'll ask, you know, why are people wearing masks? Or why can't I go to so-and-so's house? Or why can't I go to school? And he's not, like, upset. But it's still, like, present, you know? So it's, like, to their level of understanding, is this going to make his worrying and anxiety that he definitely gets from me? But is it going to make it worse sooner? You know what I mean? And like, how do we, how can we possibly just manage all this stuff? It's just like, it's so much, let alone just trying to make sure that it's not cereal hanging from the ceilings because everybody's here all day. It's just like. My house is a hot mess. But um, yeah, I totally relate to you in terms of uh, being concerned about their the social um, effects of this. Um, they're not going to know how to act when they when there's going to be all these other kids around them. But also, Ruby was experiencing the same type of um, uh, anxiety when when I would leave, and for a couple of weeks it was really bad, um, and and it started to calm down a little bit but still in the mornings if if she's awake by the time I'm leaving she's begging me not to um not to leave there was one time when they both tried to block the doorway so I couldn't leave wow. um yeah there was one time I actually took off because they had finally had their doctor's appointments and um so we went to the doctor that was great everything was fine there and on the way back I planned to go to my mom's house Mm-hmm. Um, just to pick something up. And I said, hey, guys, do you know you want to go to grandma and grandpa's house? 
And at first Ruby said yes, but then she said no. She said, are you going to leave me there forever? And I was like, what? What do you what do you mean? (laughs) Why would I be leaving you there forever? I'm not leaving at all. We're just, you know, going. We're going to pick something up and then we're going to go home. And it was, you know, I was like, wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, so, yeah, I'm not only worried about the academic aspect. I'm also worried about the social aspect as well. Um, But the, the one thing about the social aspect is that even though, you know, they're not seeing you guys as kids every weekend or, or however often we would have mm-hmm. um, done it without, without the quarantine. I mean, at least they will see you guys. You know, you know, at least we do have random Zoom call, not Zoom calls, uh, FaceTime calls or duo calls mm-hmm. um, or what have you. Um, but with this whole learning stuff, Right. They're just they're not they're not trying to eat that up for me. <laughs> they aren't. So if um school does reopen, are are you guys going to send your kids back? So with that being said, it's like that's kind of an ever changing thing, right? One day, well I'm gonna speak personally, one day I am feeling comfortable, like, okay. My son and now the other baby, you know, they're enrolled in a small, private, you know, daycare setting where even pre-COVID, the classroom sizes were pretty small. I think that, you know, I think just by virtue of it being pandemic, not, you know, the class size would be even smaller, right? And, you know, they're taking their precautions. They've been doing their plan. They've been keeping up abreast as far as what, you know, action steps they've been taking to keep everything clean and yada, yada, this, that, and the third. So one day I do feel like totally reassured. And again, like, just like you, just, you know, the whole anxiety surrounding, oh my gosh, my kid is going to fall behind. Because if you think about it, this is the time, right? Our kids are all in that age group where it's like, it's all about building blocks. Mm-hmm. And for them to be set back, it's like I can't even imagine, right? Especially if you feel like as a parent, you would have had a hand in whether those building blocks are building or being torn down, you know what I'm saying? So, and again, the return to normalcy, whatever that is. So again, one day it's like, yes, I'm gun ho ready to go. And we're prepared, you know, as far as the money is concerned, that's been paid at least, you know, to keep the a spot for them. But then, like we talked about earlier in the evening, the numbers are going up again in the state. What does that mean? A caveat to that, though, I want the numbers that I'm concerned about, not necessarily about the cases, but what is that translating to more people going into the hospital, back into the hospital again, right? Because it's one thing for the number of cases to be going up, but there's that the number of asymptomatic cases going up. Or are the number of cases that are symptomatic and people are ending up back in the hospital or God forbid dead? Those are the numbers that I am more interested in, but I do understand the mild hysteria, right? Which is warranted when we talk about our numbers going back up. Because even if it's up and you have it, say for instance, in your household and your household is asymptomatic, that doesn't mean that the kid that your child goes to school with will be asymptomatic when they get it, right? From your child or when their grandparent gets it from them. 
So I do still understand the importance of just plain and simple, most basic, oh, the number of cases are going up and why that is an inherent problem. So yeah, it vacillates. Some days I'm comfortable, some days, um, some days I'm not. Um, yeah, so I, you know, it's, it's important to kind of know what the risks are and what's happening in our states, what the numbers are and what exactly do they reflect. Um, it's also important to know what the schools plan to do if they have a plan. You know what I mean? Um, which I don't think the district where my school, where my kids are in school, I don't think that they have a final plan yet. Um, I think they're still weighing options, uh, but hybrid learning seems to be part of it. And I'm hearing that it's, it's the same with other school districts and everything. Um, and so my take on this is, like I said, you know, I've been going into work um, since this whole thing started. And my place of work employs thousands of people, okay? Clearly, they're not all in the building at the same time. However, there are a lot of people in the building at once. Um, we have put tons and tons of and tons of things in place to ensure that um, people the the risk of anything is is super low in terms of acquiring the the disease. And um, quite frankly, I trust in the system. Do I trust the people? No, because I do have to tell people, stop being stupid, put your mask on. I mean, I don't literally say those words, but, you know, like, you know, I have to remind people, keep your mask on, especially if you're speaking with other people, right. you know. Um, but again, you know, there's certain things in place in terms of temperature checks and all this other stuff. Um, and so knowing what I know or knowing what I've experienced there and knowing what our numbers are like there and, and, um, and everything, I, it has given me confidence in if a system is in place, it is possible even with human nature where, where people, especially if we're going to talk about kids, um, will be kids and may not want to wear their mask all day long. You know what I mean? Um, because adults don't want to either. Uh, but, um, again, the, a system, having a certain system and a structure helps to get around that. Um, I, I already know like Ruby, she will, she will wear the mask as long as possible, as long as she can. She's like, I'm following all the rules. Mm. I'm going to have, I'm going to have the mask on and everything. Braxton, he gets to a certain point and he's like, I'm taking this off. And I'm like, where's your mask? He's like right here in my hand. Here it is. <laughs> Right. And um, he just, you know, he won't put it back on until he's absolutely comfortable. He's like, I'm not beat for this. Um, so I understand that that will be a thing. I think it's like <sighs> too much to ask for kids. Like, we don't even want to do it, like you said, as adults. So how can I expect my soon-to-be five-year-old to literally sit in there all day with a mask on? And you know, not touch a bunch of surfaces and rub his face and dig in his nose. And like, it's just, it's, it's a lot to ask for kids. And, and I think to Miriam's point earlier about like 
the cases and yes, there's more testing. So there's going to be more cases, but there's also like anecdotally people that are in the hospitals that I know were like so happy and singing praises when like the numbers went down and they didn't have to call anyone's families and like over FaceTime and, and have that horrible conversation. But like, they're all going back now saying, guys, please, like, we're starting to see more people. Like, I just had to have, you know, a family call with someone who expired tonight. Like, it's not over. We're not out of the thick of it. So I feel like people like that, that are on the front lines in the hospitals, dealing with COVID cases, you know, again, it's not research and scientific based per se. But to me, it's like, that's the indication that we're losing ground, at least in our state. And so if that's already the case, then we're going to send all the kids back with all the teachers and all that. Like, it's just, it doesn't seem like favorable odds to me. I've heard that some teachers have said, y'all not going to make me come to come to work. Right. You know what I mean? If you're giving parents the option of remote learning, if parents aren't comfortable sending their kids, why should I be comfortable coming to work? Um, so, so even the teachers, we really have to be, or, 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 you know, we have to consider them too. You know what I mean? Like what is school without the teachers? If the majority of them are calling out every day, then what's going to happen anyway? That's one. And two, um, I wonder like, so what will it take for it? What does okay look like in terms of, okay, for the the schools to reopen? Like, what does that, what is that going to look like right now? And that's a magic question. A lot of people would say, well, we need a vaccine first. And that's not, that's like an 18 month out <laughs> average or whatever. But then even still, there's so many people that would be like, I ain't taking that. You ain't going to test exactly. it. Exactly. Y'all no. don't want to take the flu vaccine. So even if we have it, it's still not even about to really help because exactly. people are not going to take it because they don't exactly. trust it. Exactly. And, and, and I can't blame people because one thing that this whole thing has done, it has built a lot of distrust in our institutions. I just keep thinking about 1918 and the Spanish flu and the fact that eventually they came out of it, like one way or another. How long did it take? I think it took about two years. If I remember yeah, me. I've been wondering that too. I, maybe I need to go on my own personal study. Like, what was the process? How did they come out of it um, during that time? But going back to a point that you guys just made about the distrust of the institution, me being kind of a part of the institution, I wonder so is the distrust because we didn't have an answer when it first happened or is a distrust coming from oh things change from day to day because I feel like some of us in the population and when I say us I mean all of us regular people not just medical um, professionals but I feel like some of us is not giving leeway to the fact that first of all it's called the novel coronavirus novel inherent in the name is that it's new right Right? So things are bound to change as far as recommendations, as far as best practices. Um, uh, a word that we use is um, medication, of, uh, medication of choice or treatment of choice or first line treatment, second line treatment. So that's a fluid situation. 
does the distrust come from that or does it come from somewhere else? I think it comes from both. People are like, I don't trust COVID. I don't trust the possibility of what COVID could do to mm-hmm. me and my family. I don't, you know, um, and uh, people distrust certain institutions. People distrust the fact that the CDC was saying one thing at one point and then the, the World Health Organization was saying something else. And then they both changed their minds at, at another point. You know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, there's the, on, on the federal level here in the United States, you know, that's the whole thing in and of itself. So um, it's compounded. It's not just one or the other. It's multiple things. Right. And I think the media too has a big part of it because absolutely they create a frenzy, whether it should be or whether it shouldn't be. And so it's like, how are we supposed to know what's reality? Plus we have a history in this country of literally experimenting on people. So when you talk about like a cure, you just, that distrust is just being amplified by everything that's going on in the world. Like, so I know for black people, like there are historical facts, Tuskegee and others where it's like, I'm done being a test tube. I don't trust nothing you say. And that stems into more than just coronavirus. Like that is just medical facilities in general. So I don't know. It's a lot. Yeah. And then on top of that, people are going to be emotional. So, or me, I, number one, (laughs) will be emotional about the situation on either extreme. Like, People are either going to be emotional because they're deeply afraid mm-hmm. or people are going to be emotional because they're deeply frustrated and overwhelmed with their current situation. Like I'm sending that. I don't care what y'all, I don't care if the doors are not <laughs> open, I'm dropping them off <laughs> and somebody better come do something with them. <laughs> oh gosh. You know, and yeah, other, I- other you know, and other people may be like, y'all are not seeing my face until 2022. Right. And, and, you know, I know families who are like, yes, we have made the decision to homeschool now. We've right. set everything up and this is what we're going to do, blah, 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 blah. But not everyone is in a position to be able to do that. Exactly. I certainly am not. And that speaks to now the socioeconomic impacts of it. You know, it's like, oh, well, there are certain populations that can afford to just go and hire a private tutor and they can come to the house every day while mom and dad work and it's not a problem, it's not an issue. But there's so many people that can't do that. And so mm-hmm. that's just further exacerbating the gap between haves and the have-nots. Right. And then that, that, that just causes a ripple effect because now it is not only I can't afford to um, have someone come in, come in or... It's not only I can afford or my household can afford to live off of just one income where the other parent is solely homeschooling their children. Mm-hmm. Um, but also now you will have you now because of that, your kids have access to education and further along the line, you're still your kids will be performing better than the kids who who don't have that luxury. Exactly. 
you know, years from now, they're, they're, they're the kids who are not doing well on the, on the tests um, and test scores in school. They're the ones not getting into college. They're the ones um, not having access to certain ex- experiences and programs because they're not performing well enough. Um, I know this sounds like I'm totally projecting, but seriously, this is how it happens. And, and then, you know, that, that affects your livelihood later on. You know, when my kids are, you know, 20 years from now and they're trying to make a life for, for themselves, what are their options going to be if they were already or if they were placed even more behind than what they might have been because of the gap during quarantine, the divide, the wealth gap, the, the privilege versus the non-privilege. Exactly. Ruby Ruby wants to say hi to everyone. <laughs> Are you going to say hi? Yeah. <laughs> no, and I guess it really speaks like it depends how long this is like in effect and like how long they're out of school or how long they're not in the optimal situation of school in full force or whatever. But I just don't see an end in sight. And I think that also is very is very taxing emotionally because you don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. And so it's like you want to be able to get to some sense of normalcy, but if you rush it, you could die. You know, you know what I mean? So <laughs> you don't want to yeah. put everybody at risk or put yourself in that situation. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's very taxing. So how do we move? How do we make these decisions? How do we build trust in the institutions and say, all right, you know what? Like I said, I'm in a position where I've seen certain systems work in at least the working environment. I am not as anxious as I was before when this whole thing started. Um, I, I, I am not anxious at all in terms of going into work. Um, how 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 do we get to that point in regards to school for our children? I mean, I think it first starts off on who are the spokespeople or the spokespersons for the institutions, right? Because they have to come with a level of confidence as well and trustworthiness, right? Because it's not like the entire public population can have a view of what's happening inside of a lab or have a view inside of those um, offices where they're conducting the vaccine trials or inside of the rooms at the White House where they're supposed to be having these daily discussions. So I think it starts from there as far as the visual and the audio from those people who have been charged to be the face of this coronavirus task force. So therein lies the problem number one, because there's no longer a task force that we can look to every day on CNN or Fox or wherever to even give us updates because Trump has decided to just move on from that. So then now what you're left with are either people like the White Coat Coalition, whatever, those people that gathered on those steps of, I don't know where they were from, um, earlier in the week with the, with the uh, black female doctor, right? So you had people just, creating their own news conferences, random people, random doctors. Or, you know, you're just left to hear everybody's different, you know, people's different opinion, whether it's on TV, on news shows, on regular television shows, daytime TV talk shows, uh, radio shows, things like that. Again, because there is what we see as a lack of leadership from the head, 
it should be unified, right? It should be a unified coalition. It should be one place. Again, that doesn't mean that it all ends in that one place, but I feel like it starts there. If you are a leader of a nation, it starts there. It has to be one voice because now you're talking about some, oh, no, we'll just leave it to the individual governors of the individual states. So now you're going to leave individual states to figure it out. And then you now you go into individual municipalities and then you go to individual cities. So no wonder we're all confused. Right. I also feel like because of that, we have uh, we have to be even more dialed in and even more in tune to what our our towns, our cities, our municipalities are doing. So if we weren't going to those town hall meetings before, um, we should be now. If we weren't on those, um, if, if we weren't on the websites, on the district websites before, we should be now checking in for all the updates. If we weren't um, aware of who who's in, in position in terms of the boards and all of that, we should be now. We should know what their agendas are. We should know what they're doing um, for, for the school system. Uh, we should know what their stance is and everything. And we should know what, what, what are the plans? Um, what are the plans? What are you doing? What are you, what are you uh, not testing, but what are you considering? You know what I mean? And kind of just be there along the way so that you can not only be informed, but so that that can help your decision, decision making as well. And so I think you have a valid point there. Like I definitely have tuned into more than I did previously um, in regards to like the plans and, and community, you know, leadership and all of that, which is good. And maybe it's time for me to do that anyway. You know, being a homeowner, my kids are about to go into, you know, regular school. Um, but I also just can't help but feeling like really like one more thing, like we can't just, you know, it's just one yeah. thing on the list that I have to now review and analyze. And to Miriam's point, it's like, so initially the school that my son is going to be going to as a first year, they sit on the plan and said, we're returning a hundred percent in person. No, don't care. Real rap. This will be doing boom. Right. And then. Three weeks later, after me mulling it over, going back and forth in my brain, like, should I send them? Should I not? I don't want him to lose his spot. You know, I want him to go there, even, you know, even if it's not so second grade when he's back in person, like, I don't want to, I, I want him to go. So three weeks of that for them to come back out three weeks later and say, well, we decided that now we're going to delay our in-person until after Columbus Day. And so no one's going back until after Columbus Day. It's always going to be virtual learning until that time. And then everyone's going to go back, which, again, can likely change before that time period. So it's like, even when you say, okay, maybe there's a point where we should trust the institutions, the institutions do not know any more than us at this point. And so we're all in this together. But it also just feels like I have to now do what's best for my family, which may not be what the institutions say. And it's just an extra weight of that decision at the end of the day. Correct. That just spawns a whole nother conversation, right? Because people, some people's political ideology is that, oh, this is how it should be. We shouldn't be expecting the government to know anything anyway, right? So, but that's a whole another conversation for another day. But speaking of what you're saying, what are the schools doing or what's going on? 
Jenny, tell us about the plan that you were talking about the, um, that's being presented by the district your children um, are enrolled in. So they, they sent out a survey, which they've been doing along the way and trying to get a feel of uh, what the parents can do, what is their capacity in terms of remote learning um, and what their feelings are on it. Um, and the most recent survey that they sent out um, had to do with uh, what would our preferences be and we had to rate the preferences in regards to hybrid learning or hybrid a hybrid schedule I think it's is what it is so the options are um, would you go to or, or would you uh, be comfortable with sending your kids to school uh, just for a couple of days a week so either three full days a week Monday Wednesday Friday or two full days Tuesday Thursday or whatever it is, and then that's it. Or are you comfortable sending the kids to school on uh, those days and then the days that they're not in school having remote learning? Or do you want all remote learning? And then there's some variations uh, between those three. Um, and so Sean, when I was reading those off, you, you were saying, what's the difference? You know what I mean? If they're going to be in the schools even one day what's the difference between having them there one day versus two days versus three yeah like i feel like if you're gonna go go because other like if you're gonna go and then come back home i just really don't see how it's benefiting anything like you're still at just as much risk as you were before except in big districts obviously where they can you know have a smaller class size i guess um, but in terms of like risk overall, I don't really feel like that's a solution. So it's seeming like the solution is, and it sounds bad, I guess, but I get, I'm, I, it seems like the solution is not necessarily for risk, but it's a solution for learning. If it can't be all, you know what I mean? Meaning go back to school the, the way it was before, and we have to have some type of modification, then we, we, we have to see what our capabilities are and what your capabilities are in regards to that. You know what I mean? So what, how can we do hybrid learning as best as we can where we have a, a one population of kids coming on certain days as opposed to others, on top of also offering remote remote learning like logistically um how does that work and can we give options where we can actually that are actually sustainable um not just for what our capacity is but also sustainable for learning right i feel like also with the hybrid model perhaps they're thinking that the time the day in between where the building will be empty it will give them an opportunity to do whatever their definition is of a deep clean, you know what I mean? So maybe that would be reassuring to parents as well, if that's what they plan to do on the off days. Well, someone's always going to be there, though. It's just different groups of students. Oh, is that what that? Oh. Yeah. I think some okay, districts will a- be doing it like that. So, like, some uh, one group of kids will be going on, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Another group will be going on Tuesday, Thursday. They will try to keep, if you have multiple kids in the school, they'll try to keep all the siblings on the same day, mm-hmm. you know, all, all of that. Oh, I got you. I got you. Okay. But even still, even if someone is in the school, they're still able to do deep cleaning. You know what I mean? It would It would take longer, right? So if... You, if some classrooms are empty, 
You know what I mean? Those classrooms are the, the ones that are going to be cleaned mm-hmm. while other classrooms are full. And then once those empty out, then, you know, they will do it that way. And are the districts going to have extra funding to support all this extra cleaning that's coming? Or is it just going to be, mm-hmm. you know, saying that they're doing it, but not really having the resources to even fulfill on that promise? Well, the interesting thing about that, I'm guessing money was saved, you know, since school was closed since March. Maybe, maybe not. I do not know. But the other thing that I think about is what about looking at the models in Europe and how they've been doing so far, those schools, those countries that have school districts that have already opened up, how have they been doing? I wonder what we can learn from that. Right. I'm not sure how they've been doing, but I've seen pictures and videos of kids. And this is some of what we have done at my job too, where there's barriers, you know what I mean, between you and the other person. Just like as you know, when you go to the grocery store now, there's a barrier between you and the cashier. Right. right. Um, so it's that type of thing. There's like a barrier between all, like each kid. That's one of the ways that they're doing it. And then, you know, the, the, the six foot distance in terms of while you're filing into a classroom and, and all of that. Yeah, it seems like that, that if at whatever point they go back, whether it's sooner than later, I think that that inevitably is what they're going to be going back to. And then my concern with that is, although, you know, it's like I, I wouldn't disagree with that in terms of the barrier and everything. But then now what does that do to learning at this age? I can see that being okay for you know, middle schoolers on up, you know what I mean? But for preschoolers, elementary school kids, how are they going to get that hands-on learning um, with always having that barrier up? You know, how are the, how are the teachers going to be able to really connect with the student and get down on their level, speak to them face-to-face in the way that they do with this school age, with this uh, age group? Um, when there's an, a barrier for every kid. Okay, so then with all that being said, ladies, what are you doing this September again? <laughs> uh, I don't even know. To be 100% honest, I think that I would still send my kids to school. Now, would you be saying that if you were not having, if you were not required to go back to work at this time? Oh, that would, I mean, that would change the game 100%. If I wasn't working right now, guys, what? <laughs> if I was back in the industry, I guess, where I was before, I would not have been working because I was in the school system before. Mm. I would not have been working this whole time. And I've, in my mind, I've, I've, I've thought about that. Um, but I also feel like because, because I was not a teacher, my job would have been in, in jeopardy because um you know that is not necessarily or wasn't existing and who knows what's happening to sports mm-hmm. and everything that's you know just an added layer on this but um but if i was back where i was i would have had this whole time my kids probably would have been thriving i you know let me tell you <laughs> i i would have been a whole different person i would probably uh, and and um, their pediatrician kind of made this click in my mind when I had the conversation with her because I was telling her about how it's hard to to do the remote learning and and be mom at the same time. And she was like, you know what, you have to put on a different persona, and you have to let them know, hey, I'm not mommy right now. I am teacher so and so. I would have 
100% adopted that whole thing. I would have probably bought a pair of glasses, okay? <laughs> Non-prescription glasses. I would have had my teacher out there and I'd be like, uh-uh, right now it is time for school. Let me take attendance. Braxton here, where are you? There you go in the back, okay? Ruby, where are you? All right, here's what we're doing today. You know, um, I would have, oh man, gone all in on that if I wasn't working. And so, yes, I would have had, and this is what Charm and I were talking about before, for people who have that luxury of homeschooling, people who um, who are able to only live on a one-income household, or people who, uh, people who um, can afford to have, either retired or who can afford to have someone come um, to their homes to tutor their children or what have you, they're, you know, they're going to be like, you know, it doesn't matter what the school system is doing, the school districts are doing. Here's what I'm doing with my kids. They're, they are going to thrive through this. Um, and yes, if I was in a different industry, I, I would have been on their late wavelength too, but I'm not. So that is most definitely affecting my decision. And you, Charm? Well, I mean, the burden of bringing an income into our home is definitely on Black women a lot more uh, than some of our other demographics. So I do not believe that I would thrive in the role of at-home mommy, um, but I, it's not an option either way. Um, but again, luckily, I don't have to decide as much for my oldest because he his school has decided they won't be going back for in-person instruction until after Columbus Day. So at least for the first month and a half, I will now focus my energy on finding resources to help with at-home learning and keeping him on pace with the classes because this is a new school, it's a new curriculum, new amounts of workload, like all of that. So it is a transition, but I have to work now on that plan. And for my youngest, I mean, I'm just working on potty training. Like, <laughs> I have no idea what that boy is going to do because, yeah, hopefully the person that we get or what family members, whatever, is able to help both kids because I have to continue to provide for my family. And that's not an option. So. so for us, because now both of us are almost full-time outside of the home. I mean, we still have the option of sending at least one baby to the grandparents. I don't know if they'll be able to handle both. But since their school is going to be in session as of next week, and we weren't planning on sending them until September anyway, we'll have those few weeks to kind of look at it and see how it's going, right? To see how this trial run is or, you know, how it's been going for the other children. Sorry, they had to be the guinea pigs. All right, so we've lost Miriam, but it sounds like she has the option of, you know, watching and um, just seeing how it goes with the schools where her kids are enrolled and um, having that inform their decision. Yeah, at least for a couple weeks, so. Mm -hmm. We just gotta take it one day at a time, guys, because things can change week to week. There's no prediction. This is unknown territory for all of us. So trying to take off the hat of anxiety and take a lot of deep breaths 
again, physical activity is helping me manage my stress. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like this is the season we're in and we just got to keep pushing through. So. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned a big thing in terms of taking off the hats of anxiety. I know it's, mo- it's definitely easier said than done, you know, uh, for some people that may sound like an insensitive comment where, you know, people say things like get over it, it'll be okay, da, 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 where it just doesn't register that well in, in everyone's minds. But yes, it is important to uh, do whatever you can to reduce the anxiety. Something that I've been trying to adopt recently is um, quote unquote mindfulness and like controlled breathing. I downloaded a whole app on my phone for that. And actually my employer, we have like a free trial for the next couple of months in regards to like for an app um, that, that provides that service. Um, too bad I already downloaded another app before they came out with that, but whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I'm just trying to incorporate that because uh, we, our stressors are not just related to this. I have stressors with work too, you know, and, and stressors, like I said, and doing things around the house and caring for the kids in other ways. So we really need to look towards um, things to just reduce um, the effects of those stressors and reduce the anxiety as much as possible. Um, and, and one of my ways of doing that is uh, that, that controlled breathing and the mindfulness and everything. Mm-hmm. And certainly more prayer. I started the Bible um, study group where just like reading the Bible. And then thinking on what is good, right? Um, also a biblical principle. Um thinking of everything good and everything that's from above um, and keeping your mind stayed on that um, and, and really just trying to hold on as much as, as much as possible to the joy that you do have. Don't get stuck in the big picture all the time. Sometimes you have to stay in the moment. Right. Absolutely. So that's how I'm getting by. (laughs) We all in this together. Well, it was um, it was good uh, discussing this and kind of thinking of factors um, that that involves or influences our decision making in regards to this. Um, obviously, we're all hoping for the best, not just for us, but for all of um, all of our moms out there and and, and our, our our kitties um, and the and the decision making that we have to do um, in regards to them. Um, so. Thank you for joining us, guys. Please let us know how you feel about this. What are you guys leaning towards? Um, what do you think you're going to do? You can let us know either um, via our Instagram page, which is uh, Mama Said So Podcast. Um, we have a Facebook page. We also have an email address, uh, Mama Said So Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we are always looking for feedback and wanting to continue the conversation uh, beyond the podcast. So again, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. Um, let us know how you feel and we'll speak to you guys soon. Bye guys. Bye.